Woohoo! Hello and welcome <laughs> to Apropos, a conversation between closure programmers that you can join in live on YouTube. We're going to discuss a few closure news items and share up our opinions on them. Then we'll jump into a REPL and code some exercises or do some demos. And we have a nice demo today. If you're joining us live, feel free to comment in the chat and we'll try to address the questions. So today on the panel, we have Mike. Hello. We have Ray. Hello. And I am Eric. All right. So why don't we get started? Sorry, everyone, for the trouble we had uh, starting also, this live Also, Mia sends her apologies, by the way. Yes. Yeah. She's going on an epic trip. So it was either pack or talk to us jokers. So yeah <laughs> right okay so we have some exciting news to talk about something from alex miller himself could we just start with the other little like kind of off-air thing we were talking about which was like the shadow cljs thing oh yeah right you did want to say it that. was it should have because of because of this like you know <laughs> funky start you know we forgot. We yes, forgot. we had it all set up yeah. oh, and yeah. it dropped. So, uh, oh, and by the way, we are definitely going to do some REPL stuff or some demo stuff this week. We, you know, it's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. <laughs> no growl for you, Mandrian. Okay. Oh, Mike really wants to talk about growl, don't you, Mike? <laughs> you know? I don't think so. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, this the 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 other uh, thing that I'm involved with uh, the Defen podcast. We had this guy, um, Thomas Heller, um, talking about Shadow CLJS on recently. And, um, it, you know, he's a really excellent um, guy to listen to, I think. He's got some good opinions, but also Shadow CLJS is interesting in that space, you know? So we were just having a little chat about what the relative merits of this thing are versus like vanilla closure script. Um, so maybe I could outline a few like big hitters, if you like, of, of what, what, what he's doing that is that makes the ergonomics of using ClojureScript a little bit easier. Um, I think his idea is that basically you should just be able to come to ClojureScript and, you know, kind of uh, use standard JavaScript facilities. So you can, for instance, you can npm install um, Shadow CLJS, which is nice, you know. Yeah. That's that's really cool. So I just um I was listening to the podcast that you did with him and I was yeah. really fascinated. Um and I've heard of a couple of people using Shadow CLJS. I mean, I know a lot of people use it, but I've talked to a couple of people. Hmm. And they really like it and say it just works. Yeah. And I just wonder like what is the the main difference between the regular CLJS and his and why if it's if it works so well and it you know it's open source why doesn't that just get merged in oh well yeah that's a different question um i think sometimes sometimes it it's philosophical like differences a, um maybe a little bit i think some i think what he wants to do is to be a tool vendor on the side of ClojureScript. Um, okay. So it's not really about, I mean, you know, if you, if you run Shadow CLGS, it's a funny name, actually. I asked, we asked him about this. 
And because I assumed that Shadow CLJS was somehow some kind of almost like a fork of it almost, but it isn't, you know? It okay. uses the underlying. It's just a different build tool? It's a different build tool, basically, yeah. So oh. it uses the underlying ClojureScript compiler, um, just like FigWheel does or something like that, you know? Right. Um, but what happens is that it has all the affordances on top of it. So you can say, for instance, you can say, oh, there he is. He's on the, on the line. <laughs> Get him in. Oh, Thomas. Hey. <laughs> hey. So I'm going to explain badly what Thomas's work actually is. Then you can <laughs> listen to the podcast later. Um, but yeah, what, what, what he's trying to do is say, okay, if you want to, um, like, you can npm install Shadow CLGS, which is very comfortable for many developers. And then you can, npm install any of the libraries that you need and then just start just start using them by saying require string library name as whatever um and then you're off basically so it looks really mm -hmm. you know the the kind of ergonomics of it the the ease of use is really nice you know you don't need to the amount of configuration that you need to do is very small um yeah one one mm -hmm. thing on that topic that's a concrete thing that i i'm speculating i haven't used it but i I have used uh, CLJS build, and what happens with that tool, at least the way I've been using it, right or wrong, is I end up with uh, the same, roughly the same configuration setup for like dev and advanced builds, right? Mm. And then if you look, a lot of that stuff is the same, you know, between those two configuration blocks. And what I've always kind of wanted was like, ah, can I just factor that the common stuff out and merge these differences in, like? Really, the one main difference right. is that you're sort doing of like how lining in has the the regular profile, the default profile, and then it has all these others that get merged in. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm I, I would be happy to find out that I'm just using CLGS build wrong, and that there is a way to do this. But I, I've never even thought about it much other than that. But the, like in the back of my head, complain about this. Like, ah, why am I repeating this config? Because because. Uh, when you like if you do react native then you add like ios versus android and it, like you get this cross mm -hmm. product of like and they're the same yeah yeah many 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 ones and i think that's one thing that shadow may make easier is uh, yeah, minimizing the, the config at least i don't know if it's yeah. that specific use case but yeah well actually thomas says in the chat that's precisely one of the problems that he was solving for so that's good right i remember <laughs> he mentioned something like that so like i was I'm I'm still uh, uh, trying to figure out like where does it fit in. So it's it's not a replacement for the closure script compiler. It's more like FigWheel. It's, it's more like FigWheel. or or it's a replacement for CLJ builds. CLJ build? CL, sorry, CLJS build and yeah. FigWheel and and FigWheel. So like yeah. one thing that it seems like it does is, I mean I'm not that familiar with CLJS build either. I use it, but. In CLJS build, it seems like it just has a very simple way of passing configuration to the compiler, and that's basically all it does. Um, and it probably also hooks into your like build profile and stuff, um, your compile step and lining in. Um, so CLJS a shadow, sorry, shadow build. Um, just does more it's just like a better tool it just has more, more features yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and and his idea his goal eventually is to have a more kind of again more simple ui almost on top of the configuration as well not almost just an actual ui on top of it 
to 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 make the configuration even simpler. So I mean, really, it's all about the ergonomics, and it's kind of, as you said, Mike, from a kind of like ClojureScript core perspective, what you want is like a build tool on top of the ClojureScript compiler that can make it easy for people to use. And I think that's really the goal of Shadow CLJS. Um, and that's that's really a nice thing, I think. Right. And like, so then another question I had, sorry, I really like this podcast, this last episode you had. Right. Um, but now that he's in the <laughs> I chat, I have to the ask. Thing, by the way. <laughs> yeah. No, but this is something that wasn't addressed in the podcast. Oh, okay. Is, um, so if, like, if, Shadow build, Shadow CLGS, if it can do that, if it can use NPM modules, why is it still so hard from the regular CLJS setup? And everyone talks about how it works, and then I try to do it, and I can't. <laughs> it just doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, why so is a, that the a, problem? There's perhaps a question of like, is the script compiler fundamentally broken in various ways where it just doesn't work? Or are we talking about like an ergonomic difference where shadow is just easier to use? It might be a little bit of both. Um, it's not clear to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, clearly the the actual compiler isn't broken per se because otherwise shadow CLJS wouldn't be able to work. So it's well, maybe it, re maybe it compiler, replaces so. the broken part. Um, no, he says know. not. I don't no? think okay. that's. It is. There are some changes, but it's not like that. Okay. So is it simply like I just don't have the right set of configuration options in CLJ build to get the npm what, stuff working? Why, why right? don't you why don't you just use shadow CLJS then and <laughs> find out? Well, I mean to be honest, to <laughs> because... be honest, it sounds it sounds like like you said it sounded like a fork that was like not officially supported yeah. and No, it's, it's and not a fork. Yeah. If it's just a different build tool, yeah. uh just like CLJS build is, yeah. um I don't mind using it. No, you should use it. It's fine. There's no, there's no difference with the, uh, with the the compiler. The, the outputs are the same. You know, it's just the the use case is different. Hmm. It's um. It's just it's uh, it's just always weird to me because I always hear like, oh, we solved npm, and then I look and it doesn't work, and hmm. then people are like, oh yeah, I didn't get it working either, and. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, for, right, I would like well, to. Let's go on, Mike. And then, no, then we'll wrap from, it up. From yeah. just like outside of Shadow, I would like to work on the Closure Script compiler and fix anything that's broken in, in the NPM world. And I look in Jira and I don't see any tickets telling me what's broken. So, but so, I don't. Yeah. I, it just it just to me like it seems like it just doesn't have that feature. Like, oh, really? there's no. You know, that's what it looks like to me. Like it just. So, I try to do NPM install and I require it and it just doesn't take it. It's like, oh, oh okay. maybe it doesn't have the feature I thought that everyone was talking about. And then, you know, half the people are like, oh, well, I meant Shadow CLJS. Ah, okay. And then half the people are like, oh, no, it works on this one branch of, you know, the main compiler. And I'm like, you know. So you, that's, you can't, in, in ClojureScript, plain vanilla ClojureScript, you can't just do npm install and have it work. You have to, you have to add a compiler uh, configuration option called npm depths. To kind of okay. feed it and tell it how to work. Now, now that okay. that may speak to the ergonomics, right? That may be um, more difficult to do, um, but that's 
that's part of the answer to your question, Eric, is like you, you can't just do NPM sure. install, install left pad and have it start working. Well, right. And I could have been reading the docs before they were updated and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But with Shadow CLJS, that is what you do. You say mm -hmm. NPM install foo and foo is installed uh -huh. and you can just use it directly. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I'm going to try it. Yeah, it's nice. We're, we're also, we, at work, we have a few projects, and one project is I'm using the Shadow CLJS, and another guy is using just the regular CLJS. And, you know, and who's winning? definitely, well, it's different, <laughs> different uses, but, you know, or a different kind of platform. But I think, you know, I'm, I, I think I'm going to <laughs> change his codes to Shadow. <laughs> he doesn't know that yet, though, so shh. Okay. <laughs> I don't think he watches, so it's okay. <laughs> um, he does, honestly. Right, right. So cool. Um, so yeah, I think he's, he's he's knocking it out of the park. Definitely big up. Like you say, the naming of Shadow CLGS is a funny one because it does feel like it's almost a fork, or it's kind of like the the branding is a bit off to my to my mind because actually it's not a fork. It's you know it's it's this it, it, it's just an easier way to use the thing. Next so, topic, yeah. Next. <laughs> what was that topic? I forgot. It was ad lib. Ah, yes. That's right, kind of cool. a new. Yeah. You want to describe it? Well, we ran into that on the podcast before. <laughs> we wanted a library that wasn't already in place, right? Exactly, exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, we had this exact problem with uh with uh, test with check or alpha, whatever. Yeah. Alpha yeah, test check, yeah. With so this like exact you... problem. Yeah. And uh and I'm, we'll we'll do a little demo later on of this uh, reptile tool that I'm making for us. Um, and I I made a conference talk about it a little while ago. And one of the one of the guys said, "Oh yeah." Um, There's like one or two questions afterwards. One of the, one of the questions was, "What about if you're on your podcast or your YouTube thing, and one of the guys wants to use a different library? You know, <laughs> maybe you could just require it on the REPL." And I was saying, "Yeah." Maybe, yeah, because I figured it was a lot of work, you know. Um, but it turns out, A, it's not that much work, but B, like a week after or a few days after that talk, um, while I was kind of putting up my to-do list, up pops Alex Miller with a tweet, ooh, I've got this ad lib, which at the REPL, you can add a random dependency and it will remake the class path on the, uh, the REPL side and bam, you've now got it available to you. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty actually you've you've used it, haven't you, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. It's like if you look at um the way I would kind of characterize it is if you look at your depths.edn file and you can specify like, oh, I depend on this library and this Maven version. Adlib is kind of like hoisting that up into your REPL where you can like say add this lib and give it the little spec and boom, it's there, you know. And then you can after doing that, you can require namespaces from it and start using them. Yeah. On the fly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's got That's some constraints really awesome. on it. Like, if you try to add the library, if you try to add a different version of something that you've already, you you know, have in play, then it's going to not do that. Uh, so it's got some smarts around it. But the main use case is roughly that, you know, very simple. Mm -hmm. Just add this library at runtime. I think other and things it'll could fetch be. it from Maven and everything. Yeah. 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 You could even um, add a dependency on a Git dep and it'll work, you know? Oh, <laughs> it'll that's just cool. clone it and it doesn't. It's like the honey badger. It just works. I, I'm never restarting my REPL again. Yeah. That's, the, that's the end. 
Yeah, well, it's not in a REPL near you, unfortunately, but, you know. <laughs> well, you can use the close, the the Git SHA yeah. and depend on it and start doing it. Yeah, no more. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no, I, I'm I'm gonna make it. I mean, I think Mike, did you did you add it to rep to plank, Mike? Oh, I don't. I've been thinking. I wonder if you can easily do that in self-hosted. And uh, oh yeah, so not. so you can you can definitely change the class path and things like that easily because you know I wrote the code. I can change it. You know, it's yeah, not yeah. like the JVM. But um, I think Alex mentioned that he's gonna be making some some. He already made some sort of change that gives you this list of libs that are kind of in play as a um mm -hmm. as a environment variable which is thing that's that's useful to downstream tooling like plonk and lumo and other anything you know that wants to mm -hmm. make use of this stuff mm -hmm. um they can get access to the libs that have already been included otherwise you like in in plonk you would have to look at the class path that was given to you and try to deduce which libs or where they came from and that's that's all, never any fun right, right imagine right. what you could add on top of this mm -hmm. Which would be like you could have a Maven search engine in your REPL Ooh. that would just let you say, "Oh, I want this one or this version," and it'll just just install it. Like I want to do full text searches of things, and it comes back that Lucene is available. And yeah. yeah, or oh man, yeah, like someone could suck in all the, mm -hmm. um, the descriptions, all the all the closure stuff on Maven and Clojars, and then know every namespace. Mm -hmm. And so you start typing up like require, and it's like, oh, that namespace isn't loaded, but it's in this package and I could load it for you. That's like that Emacs thing, isn't it? Where you can find files, yeah. but it does it yes. for the entire I do repository. Mode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that might take a bit of memory though, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, not? no, no. It just, it's there's a server running that has it yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, would be, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all you have to do is cache the namespace names. Yeah, well, it's a nice thing about like a, a browser-based REPL. Actually, is you can you can have another window, another search window to find all those things, and then have it mm -hmm. talk into the REPL that's running live. Oh, so I could do that. Neat. Actually. I could do that. Neat. With mine. Yeah. Could you like do an iframe where you that. like show the Maven and it just and it just inserts a button next to the Linigan string that's just like insert it. Oh, you like monkey Install. patch it, like uh, what do they call it? Yeah, uh, JavaScript monkeying or whatever they call it, like adding content. <laughs> you could do right. that, or you could. I mean, you know, you could. Um, you could again just using refresh. It just uses reframe. You can just have a little another uh, another little text area, another little window onto the Maven stuff, and say it could give me that information and just parse it out. Cool. You know? Yeah. Anyway, to be to be to, on a to do list that one. <laughs> <laughs> You're giving me more to do than I already had, so. But these are exciting times. Like, I don't, I just feel like there's so much of this, like, stuff happening at the bottom mm. again, like mm. new stuff. Because, you know, there was a time when we had all these, like, high-level stuff, like transducers and mm. yeah. spec and all, all this stuff felt like very big, high-level stuff. But all this stuff being built out, down in the ground floor, mm. maybe even the foundations. Um, there's going to be a, a new, new. it's planting new seeds for cool stuff to grow. I think what's interesting as well is that I think it's based around this, it's based around this innovation in the core team that says, you know, we need to make a class path with this CLJS, uh, the CL, um, 
CLJ file where we're using DEPC, mm -hmm. they need to make a Christ path out of Maven. So suddenly they've got all this technology available to them. You know, suddenly they know how to do that. They know how to load all this stuff, you know, on the fly to, to make a class path for closure. So then it's just not one, not too much of a jump to then say, mm -hmm. okay, we'll do it on, we'll do it in the REPL because it's using. I think the same Alex Miller will probably watches this podcast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's that's why he did it. <laughs> Almost it's like ah, I'm going to fix that. That's not going to be a thing anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I look at his code actually, and it's not that simple. I mean, you know, there's a little bit of a yeah. few corner cases to deal with, so I'm glad that he's doing it uh, rather than me, to be totally honest. Because I have seen other people do it in REPLs, this, you know, this like import type yeah. thing where you can just do it on the fly. Because Boot could do it. Boot could do it before. Um, I know that JVM has tools for that, like making a little isolated place where your class path is different from another place. Hmm. Um, in the same JVM, um, but uh, yeah, the fact that it's just a library is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, very nice. It's um, yeah. I, I immediately once I saw that, I immediately went and figured out if you could hook it into the Closure Script, you know, stack, and, and you can because it's just Whoa. a library from Closure Script. You could say ad lib, you know, and with a with an appropriate macro, you can just say do the same thing, and that, then you have this Closure Script library available to you. So, so you could write a macro because the macro will run it in closure, closure code, yeah, on the yeah. JVM. Oh wow! Yeah, right. And so you could make a JavaScript macro. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I made a gist of doing that somewhere, but anyway, yeah. So ultimately, if that thing exists, there will be probably an ad lib for closure script as well. That's I mean, pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, that is really cool. Now, does it? Add that when you do add lib, does it add it to your depths no. file? No, but that would no. be the next okay. question, like right? It's like, please add it for me. <laughs> Make yeah, it you permanent. want like yeah. you want a dash dash save type thing, don't you? Yeah, 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 or something like uh, I modified my depths file, reload it, and like figure out the differences. Oh yeah, yeah. Or I guess since it's already idempotent, right? Like it won't reload an existing library. It could just mm -hmm. just try all of them. Yeah. Should be pretty simple. Yeah, then you won't have to quit your REPL to load in new depths. Just That'd be pretty bring cool. Bring them in, yeah. We need to get Angus Fletcher. Angus Fletcher apparently has written everything, so we need to get him to publish his <laughs> fucking code. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah what's don't up, Don't join dude? the code team, Angus. Publish it. Yeah, doing? don't talk about something you wrote. You have to prove it and show it to yeah. us. Yeah, we don't. Otherwise, if it's not if it's not in GitHub or in the call, we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that. it should just be a, a gist because you can Git Shaw the thing and mm -hmm. be done with it. Yeah, you don't even need like a readme. Just put it in a gist. That that thing is going to you know we've started to use this thing and uh, it's going to change how you develop actually this whole depending on the gist thing. Because why we why are you gonna like especially in like smaller shops why are you gonna publish out to um, to Clojars or to Maven anymore? You know you've got private repos on GitHub. Why why are you publishing the software anymore? There's a little bit of benefit in terms of startup costs and all that kind of shit, but no one cares for microservices and things like that. You know. Are That's you really interesting. In general, Git depths could take off and be the main way to consume things, right? I think so. I think I think it's mm -hmm. going to definitely go. It will be quite mainstream quite quickly. I think. 
once people get the hang of it. And don't have to publish to Clojars anymore. Right. Yeah, unless you, unless, again, you know, you, you could do that if, if you want to, but you don't have to anymore. You can just take, put your tags out there and you're off, you know? Yeah. What, what is actually the benefit of publishing the closures if you have this? Well, if you have something that needs to be built, like, like if your project is a closure project that includes some Java, <laughs> you know, and it oh, needs yeah, to compile, yeah, yeah, that, that weird corner yeah. case. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. if it's just if it's just plain closure code or closure script code, yeah, mm. it's you can just depend on the code. You don't need to have it. You know, let it be compiled at the last second. Well, and it's also for like just internally having to have a kind of a heavyweight release process for snapshots and stuff. Oh, yeah, if you yeah. could just push to Git, yeah, to GitHub, and then yeah. change the SHA of the thing that you depend on. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't even have to like open a browser because you have the SHA there in your Git repo. Mm-hmm. And it can do tags as well. Oh, really? It's not just SHA? You can specify a because tag and then you can tell it to resolve those tags to SHAs. But those are mutable. Yeah. Just so, want to say. So, so once you do that, then it's resolved it at that, at the time you asked it to do that. Like it, you know, and then you have a SHA that you're depending on. Which becomes immutable. Uh, uh, but does the SHA get put into the depths file? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. It's a, a weird feature, but that's well, if you want, that is if weird you want, because well, you know, it's, it's a good feature because you want reproducible builds, don't you? No, you do. I'm just thinking like so you write your depths file with a tag mm-hmm. and then you run CLJ and it rewrites it and so yeah, now you have to do yeah. a new commit. Um yeah. I don't know. It's kind of weird because, like, what if you committed that tag mm-hmm. and someone else is writing it? You have a, a conflict now. It's weird. Hmm? Yeah, How we cool. may just get used to using SHAs instead. Yeah. I think tags are better, personally. Yeah, you still want to, like, you want to convey some meaning, like, like yeah. the fact that this was a release. And, yeah. I mean, most, most so does the tag stay? No, that's true. 99% of the time. Yeah. You know. I don't know actually. Does it leave the tag there and is just it, add a shop? Is it a comment so. mic or yeah. is it a, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's an extra um, key value pair that goes in there. And I think you can add a tag um, even without this resolve tags things. You can just put it there as documentation to say like, here's mm-hmm. the SHA, but oh, by the way, here's the tag that it really goes with, you know? Mm-hmm. So as a human, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, it's the 1.9 release of something in there, yeah. Yeah, because you want that, don't you? You want that because the the, the shards are, are clever, but you know you, they're pretty opaque. Ta- ta- yeah. Tags are nice. Yeah. <laughs> pretty opaque. Yeah. Is, by definition, they're made <laughs> to be opaque. <laughs> it's minus. It well you, you, you have to put the you have to put, you have to put <laughs> yeah, exactly. the you have to put the myrtle put tree the in. You know? <laughs> uh, you could have that, right? You could have just like instead of a git. With a SHA, you could have just some code yeah. right in there, just like in a string. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think but we could. I think we've <laughs> talked about this enough now. And I, I, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm aware that last time we ran the conversation way too long. That was Brawl's <laughs> fault, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but also people asking us questions, you know, we don't want that anymore. Uh, <laughs> we're, just, we're just shaming Angus and, uh, you know, <laughs> that's, more, uh, that's more fun. 
So what was the, there was, I did put something else on, didn't I? Um, that was your demo. Oh, from my depths. Your demo. Oh, the demo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Little demo. All right. So yeah. let me read my thing. Let me read my thing. All right. Okay. All right, folks. We're about to switch over to the REPL and a new cool REPL. Um, but if you're listening on the audio version, we're going to end here and everyone in YouTube can continue watching. Let's go.